Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, we want to talk about six time-saving principles that can help us feel less overwhelmed and um, able to find some work-life balance. And I don't know about you, but I have found this extra difficult in these past months. Things are changing. We've had to adapt. We've been working from home. Just so many things combined to make it extra hard to find balance, to not feel overwhelmed, to not be working all the time. And, you know, we we made it work in these final months of the school year because we had to. But as we look ahead to next school year, we have to be able to teach in a more sustainable way. Uh, We cannot simply survive for a whole nother school year. It is going to take too big of a toll on our mental health, on our energy levels, and we're not going to be as efficient, as effective rather for our students if we are just so overwhelmed. And next school year promises to continue a lot of the challenges that we been facing. It promises to be unpredictable. It promises to throw to throw wrenches in our way. Uh, we're going to be up against some new challenges that we 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 some in some cases don't even know what they're going to be, and in some cases we know what they're going to be, but we haven't faced them before. So this school year, we've been facing challenges. New challenges are coming. So how can we work as teachers? without being completely overwhelmed. And I have some principles for you that I think will be really helpful. We've talked about them before, but it's been a few years. And so I really think this is a good time to revisit them. And just so you know, these principles come from my friend Angela Watson's 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club. You've heard me mention the club. It is an incredible program. I highly recommend it. Um, but these principles come from her club and they're woven into everything that happens over there at the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club. But whether or not you're able to join, we are going to talk through these six principles now and I think they'll be a huge help to you. So here we go. Number one, eliminate unintentional breaks. Now notice, we did not say eliminate all breaks. Breaks are really important when we're working. They can restore our mental energy and our focus if they are intentional breaks, meaning if we actually say, okay, I'm taking a five-minute break or I'm taking a 15-minute break or even I'm taking an hour break. When you say, I am taking a break now, you release your mind from the work, you let it be free to roam or do whatever it wants, and that allows you to restore your mental focus, your physical focus, all right? That is so important. You're able to restore your energy, restore your focus when you take an intentional break. But what happens a lot of the times is we take unintentional breaks. So in other words, we allow ourselves to be distracted by social media uh, or we, you know, grab our phones and we're just like mindlessly looking at it because we don't feel like working, right? We're In many cases, we're just procrastinating. We don't feel like working yet. So we're just kind of finding something to distract ourselves for a little bit. But because we didn't declare a break, it doesn't actually restore anything. We don't feel any better at the end of the break than we did at the beginning. And it wastes a lot of time. So what we have to do instead is eliminate those unintentional breaks. When I'm working, I'm going to be focused and working, and then I'm going to build in intentional breaks 
to um, to restore my focus and my energy. This is a small tweak, but it can make a huge difference. By the way, as I'm going through these, these are great reminders for me too. So you might find some of these things familiar. You might think, oh yeah, I know this. But you might realize, man, though, I've let this go, especially just with all the chaos that has been in our lives recently. You might know a lot of these things, but not be applying them. I know that's how I'm feeling as I'm going through, as I'm looking ahead on this list. So as we go through, don't ask yourself, oh, is this new or novel? Ask yourself, am I actually doing this? (laughs) So number one, eliminate unintentional breaks. Number two, figure out the main thing and do it first. This is a transformative concept. So here's the idea. Each day, preferably before the day starts, so preferably actually the day before, you're looking the evening before or before you leave for work, you're looking at the following day and you're identifying what is the most important thing that has to get done that day. Then you do that first. Now, when I say first, as teachers, we don't get to just sit down at a desk and be like, okay, I have eight hours to work. I'm going to do this first. That's not how our day is structured, right? But what I mean is the first block of time that you get. So it might be in the morning before school starts, if that's how you structure your workday, but it might not be until two o'clock. But if at two o'clock is the first, you know, planning period you get, then it's the first thing you do at two o'clock, okay? So it doesn't necessarily mean first thing in the day, but the first chance you get to actually sit down and work, that's what you do first. And this is really important because often our tendency is to do all the little things first, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to check my email first. I'm just going to throw some of these grades in the computer first. I'm just going to do this and this and this. And before we know it, we've spent that entire time with all these little things and we didn't get our main thing done. But if you start instead with the main thing, the thing you've identified as the most important thing that has to happen today, if you do that first, it does a couple things. Number one, it makes sure you get the most important thing done. Kind of obvious, but powerful, right? It makes sure you actually have time for that. Number two, it makes you feel so much better. When you get that most important thing done, you're, you, you, you can feel like, yes, I've got my most important thing done. Everything else is almost bonus, right? It makes you feel so much better, which then drives your energy and actually helps you get more done. And then finally, it's actually easier to fit in little things like checking email, putting in grades. It's easier to fit that in in all the other little space that you have. You don't need to do that during your chunk of time, right? So doing your important thing at that first chunk of time you get, everything else can kind of fill in around the margins. So I encourage you, if you're not doing that, to if you've never tried it, to try it. If you've done it in the past and moved away from it, to re uh, to kind of restore that to your routine. Find the main thing and do it first. Number three, it kind of has two pieces to it. Work ahead by batching and avoid multitasking unless the work is mindless. So batching means doing the same task together instead of doing little bits over and over and over. So for example, making copies. If you can make all of your copies for the whole week at once, that saves tons of time versus running to the copier like five times a day to copy various things. Same thing with lesson planning. If you can kind of batch lesson plan for a few weeks or even a whole month at a time, which I know Angela teaches how to do in the club, um, then you're 
you're able to really focus. The reason this works so powerfully is you get in a groove. When you're doing something, you start to get in a groove. And, you know, whenever you stop and switch to something else, it takes your mind time to switch over. So when we're when we keep switching from thing to thing to thing to thing, we're wasting a lot of mental energy. But when we can say, okay, today I am working on this um, and I'm going to get it done, then that really helps us once you're in that groove to be able to continue and to actually finish it. And that can be really helpful. Um, so batching uh, rather than just switching, you know, or, or spreading things out and doing it a little here, a little here, a little here, a little there, it can be really helpful to batch it. Uh, the other piece of this one was avoiding multitasking unless the work is mindless. Now I am so guilty of this. I often find myself trying to do so many things at once, but I'm learning that's not actually wise. Better to focus on one thing at a time. Now, the exception to that is when the work is mindless. In other words, if I'm folding clothes or washing dishes or driving home, that's a time when I can be thinking about something or I can be listening to something or um, watching something, right? I can be doing something productive during that time because it's folding clothes is mindless. Washing dishes is mindless. Uh, so if you're doing something mindless, that's a good time to multitask. But when you're trying to think, don't try to think about multiple things at once. It just it just ends up being counterproductive. All right, let's review. Number one, eliminate unintentional breaks. Number two, figure out the main thing and do that first. Number three, work ahead by batching and avoid multitasking unless the work is mindless. Number four, look for innovative ways to relax any standards that create unnecessary work. This is so, so important. There are many standards set up for us as teachers. Some of them are given to us by administration. Some of them we make up in our own mind about what we think a teacher should do. And some of them are kind of picked up from the culture around us, what we see other teachers doing. And so by by kind of default, what we think then that we should do. But here's the thing. A lot of these standards are actually not helpful or necessary, okay? Sometimes we have in our mind a standard of something that is actually not needed, okay? So we have to be really careful about this. Um, We need to always be examining these things and saying, is this actually helpful? Is this actually necessary, okay? And is there a way to accomplish the goal in way less time? So let's give an example for this. Let's say that you um, teach writing, ELA, and you are grading your students' writing. And you're thinking, I have to give a lot of feedback for them. So I need to show them all their spelling errors. Like I need to point all those out. And then I need to write a long note um, or at least some type of note on every single paper, like giving them feedback on like what they should do better and what they should do differently. Well, maybe but maybe not. And this might be taking you hours and hours and hours and making each essay that you're grading this huge monumentous task. Well, what if you stepped back and thought, hmm, okay, what is the actual goal here? Well, the goal is to give students feedback so that they can improve their writing. Do I actually have to write a long note on every paper in order to do that? 
Do I actually have to find and circle every spelling error in order to do that? Why have I thought that I had to do this? You know, maybe that's what my English teacher did, or maybe that's what the teacher next door did, or what so, or what I just think is what I just thought. You know, th- this came from somewhere. But do I actually have to do this? And if I don't, is there another way to do that? And just in this example, when I was teaching and and when I was teaching writing, what I ended up doing was I would come up with a grading form that had all the things I was looking for. And if something was good, I'd put a check or a smiley by that. And if something needed improvement, I would just circle it. So students got a lot of feedback, but all I had to do was circle and put check marks. It was very quick and efficient. And I didn't circle every single misspelling. I would just mark, you know, hey, there's misspellings here on the form. And so I was able to grade in so much more quickly uh, because I examined the standard that I had in my mind based on how my English teachers had done it and said, no, this isn't actually necessary. There's a faster and better way to do this. Now, that is just one tiny example, but the truth is that there are so many standards placed on us, either by administration or by ourselves, and in many cases, we can relax them without losing any quality of education, okay? Um, so we can find ways to do the same thing that, or accomplish, not necessarily do the same thing, but accomplish the same goal with way less time. So where do you start with this? Well, you look for the things that are taking up the most time for you right now. And you examine those and say, is this really necessary? Or is there a way that I can accomplish this same goal with way less time? And by the way, if you're thinking, man, I I just, I don't know what to do. uh, Well, Angela's club is super helpful. She goes actually through each area, a whole bunch of areas of teaching. She goes through grading. She goes through communication. She goes through classroom setup. She goes through all of these areas one by one and helps you figure out, you know, what are some better ways uh, to do these things? But either way, you can do this also on your own. Look for innovative ways to relax standards that create unnecessary work. Number five, use scheduling to create boundaries around your time. And this is, once again, one of the challenges of this year has been that our schedules have been completely upended. But this is a great time um, as you're starting, as you start to discover what your school year is going to look like, you're definitely going to need to create boundaries and schedules um, that will work for you. Because if we don't decide ahead of time when we're going to work and when we're not, it just spills over into our family life. So it's so important to instead plan. This is when I'm going to work. This is when I'm not. And that gives you the mental space to be able to actually step away. By the way, Angela has offered Teach for the Heart readers an awesome resource, whether you join the club or not, that will help you decide, um, help you do this, help you create a schedule. It helps you decide when you're going to work, when you're not, and kind of create a schedule. Um, So you can get this in the notes for this episode. You can find them at teachfortheheart.com slash 147. All right, and our final tip, number six, small changes add up to big results. Angela says this is kind of their club motto, and I completely see why. Small changes add up to big results is so important because 
If we're not careful, we can sometimes feel like the only way to make progress is by doing these huge, monumentous things, and that feels overwhelming. The thought of spending hours and hours coming up with this elaborate new system feels like, oh, I can't do that. I I don't have time for that. But you don't have to make these huge, gigantuum changes to start experiencing work-life balance. What you have to do instead is make little tweaks, little tweaks today, more little tweaks tomorrow, more next week, more next month, and the month after that. Small changes over time add up to huge results. And that's what Angela Watson's Club is all about. It's about helping you make small changes gradually but methodically so that over time, by the end of the year, you are in a completely different place than you were when you started. So I hope these six ideas, these six strategies or principles have been helpful for you. But if you're thinking, man, Linda, this sounds great, but I have no confidence that I can actually implement these. I, I don't know where to go from there. You know, I, I need some help with this. Then I do highly recommend Angela Watson's 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club. It has helped thousands of teachers I can't believe this. When Angela surveyed her members, the average time saved was 11 hours a week. 11 hours a week. Okay, this is the average. So I was I was talking to someone and I was saying, this is not like a get rich scheme. Have you guys ever seen those where um, they say, you know, hey, you know, and join this program and, you know, so-and-so made $126,000 doing this. And you're like, oh my goodness. And then you read the fine print and the average you know, money that people make is $200. It's like, oh, brother. This is not the, you know, glowing example that's, you know, the exception. That's the average that club members reported, 11 hours a week. What a difference that makes. It's crazy. So even if you did half that or a third of that, that's still three to five hours every single week. And it's because of these six principles applied methodically to all of these different areas. And that's what I love about this program is that Angela goes methodically through each area one at a time. So for example, when you start in July, it's about a self-running classroom. So planning your classroom where students can take ownership. Then August is all about sustainable systems, organizing procedures, class culture. September's about communication and documentation, managing email, document intervention, communicating with parents, all of that. October is lesson planning. November is grading and assessment. December is about time management for kids, helping them complete their work on time. January is about students, not scores. So revamping routines and building rapport and motivation. February is about maximizing instructional time and eliminating time wasters. March is about work-life balance. April is technology time savers. May is about finishing the school year strong. And June is about maximizing your summer. So as I said, we're going through each of these areas one at a time, stacking successes on top of each other until you are finding yourself a year from now in a completely new reality. And I encourage you, I'm so excited. Um, Our next Quick Thought episode is actually going to be an interview um, with um, Sarah, one of our team members, went through the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club last year. 
and she actually talks with her 11-year-old daughter about the difference it's made in their family. It's such a fun story to hear, and so I can't wait to share that with you next week. So if you want to join Angela's program, you can get all the details at teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher, teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. That is our affiliate link. We partner with Angela to share this program because we've seen it make a huge difference and we want it to help you as well. Enrollment is open, I think, for a couple more weeks, but you can check and get all those details about when it closes at teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. And then all the notes from this episode are at teachfortheheart.com for the heart.com slash one four seven. That's teach for the heart.com slash one four seven. And before we go, let's please pause and um, pray together. I know I am just constantly reminded of how much we need God's help in every area, um, but especially in this one. Father, thank you that you are here for us. Thank you that we can bring all of our worries and our concerns to you. And Father, I pray pray for myself, I pray for each teacher that's listening, that you will guide us, show us where we can improve, show us how to prioritize you, our families, our schoolwork, our students. There's so many things that compete for our attention, and it can be stressful to know where to spend our time and where to prioritize. I pray you will give us clarity. I pray that you will guide us to the solutions that we need. Father, if teachers are considering the 40-hour teacher work week club, I pray that you will make the decision very clear for them. If it's going to be a help for them, I pray that you will show that to them and give them peace about joining. And if it's not going to be a help for them, I pray that you'll give them peace about not joining. Father, you know what each of us needs. And I pray that you will guide us clearly to what you would have for each of us. And we thank you that we can trust you and that you are with us every step of the way. I pray your hand of blessing on the rest of the summer and on the upcoming school year and on all the decisions that are being made across our country and around the world. Father, please uh, guide and give wisdom in each of those. Thank you for each teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you guys again so much for being here. Once again, uh, Angela's program, teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher and the notes at teachfortheheart.com slash 147. We'd also love your help spreading the word about this podcast. Share it with a friend or leave us a review on iTunes or on Spotify. Well, thank you guys again so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep trusting. You really are making a difference.